Marcia slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back, Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up Dodonov, Knights 5, Blackhawks 4! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two on a Monday, the 2021-2022 regular season and playoffs have concluded. The Colorado Avalanche are your Stanley Cup champions. The VGK Insider Show, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you until 6 o'clock this hour. We're going to examine a couple of things when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche. How many Stanley Cups do we envision this core winning? And is Kale McCarr... One of, if not the best player in the game right now. That's where I want to start, and then we're going to progress a little bit deeper into the trajectory, the outlook for Colorado in the next couple of years. But everything that Colorado is going to do, every single thing, is going to hinge on Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is the best player on the Colorado Avalanche. And again, there's a lot of fanfare, and rightfully so, for Nathan McKinnon. There's a lot of love, and rightfully so, for the leadership of Gabe Landeskog. But those two players are not at the same level of Kale McCarr, who's not yet 24 years old. Kale McCarr has won the Hobie Baker, most outstanding player in college hockey. He won a Calder Trophy, Rookie of the Year. He won a Norris Trophy, Best Defenseman, this year. He won a Stanley Cup, and he was awarded playoff MVP last night unanimously. Unanimously. All 18 votes. Kale McCarr, first ballot, first place, all of them. First time that it's been that unanimous. The the fact of the matter is, Kale McCarr is on a different planet, a different level. And listen, the fact that he went head-to-head with arguably the best defenseman of this generation in Victor Hedman and came out the other side on top better, that strengthens the legacy moment for Kale McCarr. We're talking 29 points from a defenseman in 20 playoff games. 29 points in 20 playoff games. And now granted, when you look at the ledger for playoff points, it's going to read one Connor McDavid, two Leon Dreisaitl, three Kale McCarr. And I get it. What McDavid and Dreisaitl did this playoffs was ridiculous. It was. But who has the hardware? Who went home with the cup? Who went home with MVP honors? Kale McCarr did. Every single night, he was a difference maker for the Colorado Avalanche. And the fact is, when it comes to Kale McCarr, I don't know that this is the peak. I don't know that this is even scratching the surface of the type of player that he can be at the National Hockey League level. To me, from a position standpoint as a defenseman, I don't know that there are many players in this game that impact the game in more ways than Kale McCarr does. 
Yes, Connor McDavid impacts the game offensively. Sure, he does. But is Connor McDavid the type of player that can shut down Kale McCarr? If history tells us anything, that's a resounding no. In fact, it's the other way around. Not only is Kale McCarr capable of putting up 10 points in a four-game sweep of the Edmonton Oilers, but he's able to do it by shutting down Connor McDavid. Shutting down Leon Dreisaitl. So to me, when I'm looking at overall players, the impact on the game that each individual player has, Kale McCarr is never going to outscore Connor McDavid in the regular season. It's not going to happen. I don't see it. But I will say this. We are close to Kale McCarr Hart Trophy winner. We are close to the type of season you need from a defenseman that opens your eyes and says, okay, not only are they, not only is Kale McCarr going to win a Norris, not only is he the best defenseman in the game, he is the best player. To me, being able to do it on the defensive side of the puck while also putting up the points, while being dominant in the postseason, that is complete dominance in every facet of the game. And that is why I believe Kale McCarr is on the short list of best players in the game right now. In fact, I would make the argument there's only one guy that might be ahead of him, and if you're going to put Connor McDavid there, I'm not going to argue with you. But I don't think anyone else holds a candle to what Kale McCarr is doing right now. Well, Ryan, you you, you look at the facts here to to help help your argument. He's been in the league three years, and the first two seasons, he, he was good. Right? 50 points in year one, 44 points year two. He absolutely took off this year. Point-of-game guy, 86 points. His, his plus-minus was, was through the roof. It was plus 48. But in those three years in the league, you look at some of the accolades Kale McCarr has won. Mm-hmm. Calder Trophy winner as a rookie, rookie of the year. Three-time All-Star. So all three seasons he's been in the league, he's been an All-Star. This year, he got a trifecta. He won a, he won a treble. He won the Norris Trophy, best defenseman. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP of the playoffs, and he won the Stanley Cup. He's won four major awards in three seasons, and I know the Stanley Cup isn't really an award, so to speak, but it counts, right? He's a Stanley Cup winner. Hmm? He's been in the league three seasons, and he's already doing this. I think it's scary because I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't think this is the pinnacle of the mountain for Kale McCarr. I know it's it's... I guess sometimes we get upset when when guys do this, but I'm going to do it right now. I think right now, when I watch Kale McCarr, and I never got to see Bobby Orr play. He was long retired before I started watching hockey. But I did see Paul Coffey, and I did see Ray Bork. And to me, Kale McCarr is on that trajectory to be just like Paul Coffey, to be just like Ray Bork, like one of the all-time greats. I mean, he's 23, and he's already accomplished so much. I think the mm-hmm. only thing preventing Kale McCarr 10 years down the road from being in the conversation of with those guys is health. As long as he stays healthy, Kale McCarr playing with the Colorado Avalanche, playing with, with Gabe Landeskog, with Nathan McKinnon, with, with Devontae's, like mm-hmm. that team is loaded. And there's zero reason to believe that Kale McCarr's production is going to fall off. 
Like, there's nothing to support that because his production has just gone up every single season. When I say fall off, I mean go from, like, 86 points to 47 points. Like, that's not going to happen if he's healthy because, like because he's just that good. He is mm-hmm. a step ahead of every player who who tries to to cover him. He's he's a step ahead of every coach in the NHL right now. He has the speed. He's got the the elite puck handling skills. Like when you watch some of the highlights where he squeezes through a, a, a defender yeah. and the boards, and he finds a way to find room and and put the puck on net. Like that's that's the stuff that separates him from from all the other players that are playing his position in the league. And yeah. I think you could probably make the case for for Connor McDavid because Connor McDavid's skill set is is just it's insane. But Kale McCarr's skill set is right there. Like he's not like if Kale McCarr was a forward, he would probably put up a hundred points. He's not. He's a defenseman, well, and and he's probably going to put up a hundred points at one point in his career. Here's the thing. I, I think that there's a hundred point season in Kale McCarr's future. I really do, and I think when that happens. We're talking Hart Trophy. We're talking Ted Lindsay. We're talking the entire bag of NHL individual awards because that's the trajectory that I think Kale McCarr is on right now. But again, it's it's consistency, right? We're talking 180 points in 178 games. He's better than a point a game in the regular season. He just had one of the most epic runs in the playoffs that we've seen in a long time. And again, it's not just the offense. That's the thing for me. The lasting image of Kale McCarr in these playoffs, not so much in the Stanley Cup final, but the lasting image of Kale McCarr in these playoffs for me is one-on-one with Connor McDavid. How composed, how easy he made defending the best offensive, the best forward in the game. How easy he made it look. And how again and again and again, there were moments in the defensive zone where you thought you had Kale McCarr cornered. You thought that you were able to get him, line him up on a check, and all of a sudden... He's out the zone, you're left in his dust, and there's nothing you can do about it. That is how dominant he is as a player, and I cannot wait to see how much further he can take that. Now, the biggest thing with Kale McCarr, and I think it goes without saying, is you've mentioned it already on the show, Chapman, three teams passed on Kale McCarr in the draft. The New Jersey Devils, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Dallas Stars all went with a different player over Kale McCarr. Now, it's easy to look back on the 2017 NHL entry draft with hindsight, given what we know of Kale McCarr, given what we've seen out of Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick and Miro Haskinen. And I think the only argument that can be made if you're, if you're probably the Dallas Stars is, we're content with with Miro Heiskanen. Will we love Kale McCarr? Absolutely. Will we be better with Kale McCarr? For sure. But I think that Miro Heiskanen has been one of the picks that has held up. Nolan Patrick for Philadelphia, Nico Heischer. Uh, certainly, you look at the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia Flyers, if they had this hindsight, they'd absolutely jump at the opportunity to redraft and draft Kale McCarr one or two. Well, you know, in the case of New Jersey, I, I thought about it because obviously, you know, it's a team I follow what they do. And I think the case would probably be made pretty well that if the if the New Jersey Devils had drafted Kale McCarr, I don't think they would have Jack Hughes because I think they probably would have been too high in the standings to fall into to the position to win the lottery to get Jack Hughes. So let I, me just say Kale McCarr didn't play in the 2018-19 season. 
So I think you'd have been fine, and I think you'd have had Jack Hughes and Kale McCarr. The question is where the Devils have kind of pushed him to play a little sooner. Um, you know, we'll oh, never, I, don't, we'll, I don't think it would have mattered. I don't think it would have mattered. I think he was always going to finish up college. Man, now, now you're depressing me. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, sure, the Devils would probably have liked to have Kale uh, uh, McCarr. I mean, Nico Heischer, you know, you you make the case all the time that he's a lot better than people give him credit for. I think so, too. Um, you know, he, he's he been he's he's had some injury history. So, unfortunately, that's something that's that's kind of plagued him a little bit. But I, I, I think the Devils are, are, are putting themselves in position to where, you know, hopefully there's no more high draft picks for them. And they come out of this as, as, as a, a team that's got a lot of young talent as well. Right. Like you, in, in, in this league. You mentioned it last week. You either want to suck or you want to be really good. You don't want yeah. to be mediocre. You you don't want to be what the um I I, I don't know the the Nashville who, Predators. Nashville Predators. Yes, Stars. you don't want to be a middling team. You you don't want to be mm-hmm. in that. You either want to be terrible to, so you can stock to up a on degree Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. I mean Minnesota lucked out, right? Like how how what kind of position would Minnesota be in if Kirill Kaprizov had not come over and played in the well pro- they they. They would be bad, and yeah. then they would. But they be wouldn't. The, they the, wouldn't the be fast track to getting good again. They yeah. wouldn't be like top three in the lottery. Bad though. Um, sure. So, so I, I, I think the one team that probably is kicking themselves is the Flyers, because I, I, I think you know, say whatever you want about Nolan Patrick, and and you know, I'm not going to trash the guy. The guy's had a lot of injuries, and that that sucks. Sure. You know, you, 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 you we'll never know. Uh, until he's healthy, who he is. So, well, it it, it, does, it all that all that notwithstanding, it, he's Nolan Patrick is a is a Vegas Golden Knight. He's he's not with right. the Philadelphia Flyers. But the Flyers so anytime, a couple of years ago, they right. were the number one seed in the East in the bubble. So imagine if that team had Kale McCarr. Maybe they mm-hmm. don't go crashing out of the playoffs in an embarrassing fashion. And may, who knows? Maybe maybe Elaine Vigneault is still coaching that team, and maybe they are a contender in the East. Maybe they're a team that could have pushed Tampa. We'll, we'll never know the answer to that either, but I think if you're the Flyers, that's probably the way you're thinking, like, man, we we, we, we kind of messed this up. And, you know, I, I don't think Dallas is, is... Look, Dallas got themselves a good player. Is Mira, Like you said, Mira Haskinen is not Kale McCarr, but, but Mira Haskinen's a good player. I think you're kicking yourself if you draft a player who, who just is terrible. And, mm-hmm. you know, I... I, I, I or a player who you really never have the opportunity to see play. And the Flyers traded, you know, Nolan Patrick's gone, he's here now. So so it's it's a new beginning for them. But I think of the three that passed on McCarr, I think they're probably the ones who are really feeling the worst about it. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, but you know, the fact of the matter is you just you never know, right? How even the the top 3, 4, 5 players are going to pan out when it comes to the to the National Hockey League and Kale McCarr took his time. You know, you're talking about Nico Heischer and, and, you know, Nolan Patrick, two guys that, that were in the NHL relatively quickly, right? Like, that was the pressing need for both Philadelphia and New Jersey at the time, is that we want players, we need players that are going to be in our lineup night in and night out starting immediately. And you know, I don't think there was going to be any situation where Kale McCarr wasn't going to go back to college, wasn't going to kind of see that that level of his development through and it turns out that it's helped him become a a phenomenal player for the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche now it was funny because you know you you had talked about it already 
Gabe Landeskog was asked about the copycat nature of this league and what are teams going to pull from Colorado's victory. And, and you know, Gabe sat, thought about it for a minute and said, ah, go out and find yourself a Kale McCarr. Well, it's not just Kale McCarr. As we've talked about, he is the best player on this team. But Nathan McKinnon had a monster game last year uh, or last night and, and was a big part of that victory. Uh, Miko Rantanen, all throughout the, the lineup, the Colorado Avalanche were getting contributions. Rantanen had eight assists in the Stanley Cup final. You had Nazem Kadri with a big goal. Uh, Gabe Landeskog with multiple multi-point games. Like, it was a team effort through and through, and I think that that's going to be the biggest aspect of the Colorado Avalanche over the next couple of seasons. What does their outlook trajectory look like in terms of Stanley Cups? Now, granted, Chris Chapman, when you think about Colorado, you think about all the players that are still unsigned or unsigned right now. You've got a couple of restricted free agents in Arturi Lekkinen and Nick Obey-Kubel. You've got unrestricted free agents in Andre Burakovsky, Andrew Cogliano, Darren Helm, Nazem Kadri, Valeri Nichushkin, Nico Sturm, and that's just up front. Now you've got decisions to make as well on the back end. Jack Johnson, I don't expect that that he's going to be a Colorado Avalanche come next season. Josh Manson fit in real well. I'd be shocked if if Ryan if Josh Manson isn't a player that comes back for Colorado, and then you've got the decision to make on Darcy Kemper. So there's a lot of work to be done by Joe Sackick. There's about $25.5 million in cap space to do it. And then looming over everything is Nathan McKinnon and a contract extension for beyond this coming season. McKinnon, $6.3 million. He is in the last year of a seven-year deal that has seen McKinnon go from a player that had a lot of potential to realizing that potential and now a Stanley Cup champion. There's a couple of things that I want to get into here. Number one, Nathan McKinnon is from Cole Harbor, Nova, Nova Scotia. Nathan McKinnon is good friends with Sidney Crosby. And there were a couple of moments last night where I think Nathan McKinnon became a little bit more human. And that's not an easy thing to do for a player that has a reputation like Nathan McKinnon does. There have been times where Nathan has been referred to as intense, where he's been referred to as the type of guy that does not want to participate in any fun. I think everybody kind of remembers the gif of McKinnon telling people not to smile when the Colorado Avalanche eliminated the Edmonton Oilers and won the Western Conference. Listen, I have respect for a player that wants to win incredibly badly. I have respect for a player that is going to push all types of instant gratification that they can find from being a professional athlete, and they're only driven by one thing and one thing alone. However, the caveat to this is simple. He's won now. How much does Nathan McKinnon loosen up in terms of what we see from him through interviews in the media? right? I think there's a level, a degree of, of humanity to Nathan McKinnon that might be misconstrued or misunderstood. And you saw it in Nathan McKinnon bear-hugging on the ice with Eric Johnson and just how much it meant to McKinnon that not only did he win for himself, not only is he a Stanley Cup champion, but Eric Johnson is now a Stanley Cup champion. When McKinnon was talking to Emily Kaplan on ESPN after the game, he didn't mention 
himself too much. He didn't mention a lot of what drives him. He mentioned how much it means for Gabe Landeskog, Miko Ranton, and JT Comfort, the guys that were around in that terrible season in 16-17. He talked about how nice, how cool it was to see Andrew Cogliano, after nearly 1,100 games in the league, five different teams, winning his first Stanley Cup. Like, there's a degree of leadership to Nathan McKinnon that I don't think is easily understood because he comes across so poorly because all that he's driven by is winning. And yet, that's the antithesis of one of his best friends, Sidney Crosby. We all know how intense Sidney Crosby is. We all know how much he wants to win. The difference between Crosby and McKinnon is, is Crosby won early, relatively speaking, in his career. So I think he mellowed out a little bit on the intensity. And so this is one of the interesting tidbits we got last night from Nathan McKinnon. After winning the Stanley Cup, McKinnon talked about the omen he had prior to the game that made him feel like the Avalanche were going to win. Well, yesterday, my room number was 1787. So we just felt like it was fate. I don't know. We both love Sid and... uh, we just knew we were going to win when I got that room number. So that's cool, right? He, he's talking about numerology. There's different beliefs, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's great. But, you know, the, the, the amount of respect Nathan McKinnon has for Sidney Crosby and vice versa is really, really intriguing to me. They're two players that have reached the pinnacle. They're two players that come from a, a relatively small town. They are two players that train together in the offseason and understand what it takes to win. And so it was cool to see that wrinkle, that tidbit brought into it. And I just do wonder if there's going to be a situation where Nathan McKinnon takes another cue from Sidney Crosby. And it comes in the form of a team-friendly deal. Sidney Crosby has been on an $8.7 million average annual value contract for essentially 15 years. Literally, that's what he's been making for the, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. There have been periods of time where Sidney Crosby, the best player of his generation, has not been the highest paid player on his team. And I know Nathan McKinnon is in line to get a race. We're talking $6.3 million for next season. We're looking at $9 million, $10 million, $11 million. If he were to go to unrestricted free agency, if he were to test the markets, there is a team out there, I'm telling you right now, that would pay Nathan McKinnon at 27 years old upwards of $10 million. There is a team out there. It will happen. But I think Nathan McKinnon's next contract is going to come in somewhere around Kale McCarr and Miko Rantanen. Rantanen at $9.25 million, McCarr at $9 million. I think Nathan McKinnon's drive to win is greater than his desire for a big-time, max-out, full-in contract. I just do. I just think that this feeling for Nathan McKinnon is something he wants to chase multiple times. And the only way to do that in today's NHL with a hard salary cap, if you're not going to dip into different ways to maximize your salary, I think that Nathan McKinnon's going to take a team-friendly deal in the same vein that Sidney Crosby has taken a team-friendly deal year after year after year in Pittsburgh. And I think it's all designed to try to keep as many members of this team 
around for Colorado, and it's all designed to help them win not just another Stanley Cup, but another couple of Stanley Cups in that three to five year, five to six year window that I think the Avalanche have. And so if that's the case, and if Colorado turns themselves into an absolute juggernaut, because Nathan McKinnon decides his next contract is not going to be a max value contract. Oh boy. Oh boy. Look out. Because we all have Sidney Crosby to blame. <laughs> it's funny you say that. You know, we. I want to rewind a little bit. Because I, I know this is about McKinnon and him maybe taking a team-friendly deal. But let's rewind back to last summer. Who was the free agent for the Colorado Avalanche? The guy who wears the C, Gabe Landeskog. And there was a lot of speculation. Maybe Seattle was going to swoop in and try to sign him. Maybe maybe he would leave via free agency. What did he do? He signed an eight-year deal with an AAV of $7 million. So I think the precedent for Joe Sackick to get guys on a team-friendly deal is there. Because I, I, I'd have to imagine... Gabe Landeskog, a guy who who scored 30 goals this year, granted he was banged up a little bit, only played 51 games, but you have to imagine that the market on Gabe Landeskog would have been more than $7 million a year. So I think mm-hmm. there, there there's maybe something to this because Gabe Landeskog has already taken that team-friendly deal. He could have walked. He could have gone somewhere else. He could have taken more money. I'm sure he could have taken more money somewhere else. We'll never know. What the what the open market was for Gabe Landeskog, but I think that was a sign there that this team w- was going to try to keep it together as long as they possibly could. Look, the the reality is they have their big stars minus Nathan McKinnon locked up for a long time. Mm-hmm. The next big mm-hmm. gun that's going to hit the free agent market for them is Miko Rantanen, and that's not going to be till twenty five twenty six. So still. Three more years of McKinnon, Rantanen, or, or I'm sorry, Landeskog and Rantanen and McCarr at least all locked up. I can't imagine Nathan McKinnon is going to look at that and walk away and say, yeah, you know what? I could go make more money in Ottawa or I could go make more money in Carolina, but I'm not going to win. He strikes me as a guy who the only thing that matters to him is winning. And I think. The, the, the team that Colorado has put together, Joe Sackick has put together, is a team that's capable of winning multiple cups. I think when you look at the roster, you look at the makeup of it, they've got some good young players that we haven't talked about. Alex Newhook is only 21. Bo Byram is only yeah. 20. So this is a team that isn't going away. They're not going to just disappear the way some of these other Stanley Cups champions do, and then we we, we don't hear from them again. This is a team that's going to be a force. They're going to be very, very difficult to beat the next couple of years. And I, I think, like I said in, in the first hour, I think Nathan McKinnon does care about his legacy. I think he, maybe not to the point where, where he's a rival of Sid, but hmm. I think the idea that this is the guy you idolize, a guy who you're really good friends with, the idea that maybe you could match him or maybe even surpass him in terms of cups, I think that's something that's got to weigh on his mind. It's got to be on McKinnon's mind. Like, yeah, maybe it's not like a super intense rivalry, but I think maybe in a friendly way, he would love to be able to tell Sid, hey, I got one more than you. 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting thought process. Now, the other aspect of this, too, is, well, what if Nathan McKinnon just wants to hit unrestricted free agency so he can go play with Sidney Crosby? That's a certainly something I've thought about, but could you imagine what that Stanley Cup party would look like if Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby were on the same team? Because, as Nathan put it last night, He's had some absolute bangers celebrating Sid's Cup championships. Do you expect Sidney Crosby's going to return the favor? Well, if Nathan McKinnon has anything to say about it, he absolutely will. Well, he better be coming. Uh, I've, been, I've been the drunkest guy at two of his, so he better be drunk at mine. Uh, but it's cool. I have my name engraved on the Cup with uh, 87, my idol, and along with all the best players that ever play this game. So That's amazing for a number of different reasons, right? Um, number one, it, it gives you a different layer to Nathan McKinnon. Number two, it, it goes to show you that um, Nate wasn't partaking when Sidney Crosby won his first Stanley Cup in 2009. And it goes to show you, quite frankly, that maybe, maybe our view of Nathan McKinnon is a little bit skewed and maybe this championship opens it up just a little bit. When we come back, we're going to get into one-timers. We've got some more stuff from the Stanley Cup final, including a really, really unfortunate record for Corey Perry. That's coming up next on the VGK Insider Show. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Our look around the NHL news and notes. Hockey Hall of Fame. 2022 inductees announced today. Listen, we're going to just touch on this on the surface because tomorrow we're going to get into my yearly annual uh, Hall of Fame rant. But for right now, let's just run down the names. Herb Carnegie as a builder, Daniel Alfredson, Roberto Luongo, Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin, and Rika Salonen. All announced as 2022 Hockey Hall of Fame inductees. The interesting thing for me, Daniel Alfredson, Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin, Roberto Luongo. There's a lot of Vancouver Canucks, former Vancouver Canucks in that list. And I'll say this preliminarily. I'm not upset. Like, I'm not mad about the Sedins. I'm not mad about Roberto Luongo. Like, not at all about Roberto Luongo. I'm not mad about Daniel Alfredson. What bothers me about this isn't that those guys got in, because congratulations to them, they should get in. Based on what we've seen out of the Hall of Fame over the last couple of years. But why in the world are we still doing this thing with Alexander Mogilny? Why in the world are we still refusing to induct Alexander Mogilny into the Hockey Hall of Fame? It just makes no sense to me because when we're talking about Hall of Very Good, Hall of Great, Hall of Fame, Alexander Mogilny had an, on an individual level a better career than Alfredson, than Sedin, and Sedin. It just it's nonsensical. It doesn't it, it doesn't compute to me in any way, shape, or form. I'm gonna dive a little bit deeper into it tomorrow, given the giving you some of the reasons why 
it makes no sense that Alexander Mogilny is not in the Hall of Fame. But I did want to touch on it. Chapman, you got anything to add? Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling that's where you were going. Um, you know, Alfredson is a guy who we usually, when we do our rant on how the hell is this guy not in the Hall of Fame, well, we could finally cross mm-hmm. his name off the list of how the hell is he not in the Hall of Fame because well-deserved, really the first player I, I remember for the Ottawa Senators. I mean, I know they had a couple of other guys, but none of them were at the level of Daniel Alfredson. Uh, he took him to a cup final. Just phenomenal numbers in, in his career. Um, you know, he, he's 444 goals, 1,100 points, almost 1,200 points, Calder Trophy winner, Olympic gold medal winner. How he wasn't in there, I, I have no idea, but we could finally, like I said, end the rant with him. I knew you were going to bring up Mogilny. Mm-hmm. It still disgusts me that he's not in because he's got a Stanley Cup. Like, he won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. He, he absolutely deserves to be in. You look at his numbers and you stack them up against other guys who are in, like, I, I, I just cannot understand how he's not in it. And I'm looking forward to your rant tomorrow because I know the, the fact that the two of us, you have the connection to Buffalo. I have the connection to New Jersey. It's a guy that both of us feel passionately belong in. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to you going absolutely nuts on this tomorrow. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, but I, I have to try to to pace myself in choosing violence this week. Now they should uh, they should have the ceremony in Vancouver. Like like I know they normally do it in well, Toronto, it, but but you know what? You've got probably the three greatest Vancouver Canucks ever. Just sure, move it to Vancouver. Sure. Oh man, Mark Messier is going to have uh, an exception. He's going to have a word for you <laughs> because you just said that those are possibly the three best. Vancouver by the way, Canucks by the way, ever. Brian McCormick and Mark just Messier texted would like me. A word. Brian McCormick, voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, just messaged me. He's listening to the show. He goes, mm-hmm. Turgeon. Yeah. Turgeon! <laughs> uh, right there with you. Like, Turgeon, McGilney, believe me, we're going to get in-depth tomorrow on the Hockey Hall of Fame um, because it, it's just too much for my brain to handle. Uh, I will say this, though. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Chapman. I'm sure you did. It was a, a little strange in the handoff of the Stanley Cup yesterday, uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman unable to do the handoff for the first time since taking over as commissioner in 93 uh, due to COVID. He, he tested positive for COVID. So um, I don't know about you, but like, and like this goes beyond the booing, the traditional booing of, of Gary Bettman. Number one, hopefully he's he's good, he's okay and, and, and everything like that. But for me, it was, it was just weird with Bill Daly being the guy to hand the cup off to Gabe Landeskog. It felt different. And in in fairness, given everything that's happened over the last three years and the job that, that Gary Bettman has done, kind of navigating through coronavirus, navigating through the uncertainty and, and the, the, the flexibility needed, like it felt like the first regular, regular, quote, regular season that we've had in, in three seasons it felt like Gary deserved that moment. It's kind of a bummer he didn't get it. Yeah, I, I think he's a guy who a lot of times is unfairly criticized. I mean, look, there's certainly fair criticism of Gary Bettman, but I think a lot of times we, not necessarily you and I, but the people who watch mm-hmm. the game take it a little too far. Sometimes it, it borders on cruelty. And I know Gary Gary plays along and, you know, good good on him. But, yeah, sure. certainly hope that he, that he, you know, recovers fine and he gets better. And, yeah, it, it was a little strange to see Bill Daly they're handing it off. And by the way, kudos on on predicting that Eric Johnson would be the second guy 
to touch the cup for the Colorado Avalanche. Oh. I, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I, I mentioned that because you did say that the other day when we went through the props. And the net did not come yeah. dislodged, so I, I, I think we got I that know. one as well. So. But yeah, yeah. Kudos on yeah. on on that, and uh, yeah. Let's hope Gary Bettman recovers fine and he's back next year because you're right, he he kind of deserved that moment. Um, to, to you're yeah. right, it was like the first normal season we've had in three years, and for him to not be there, it just felt like it was missing something. So, did you see the Avalanche broke the cup? I did not see that, but I'm not surprised. What? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see it. It happened on the ice, Chapman. Yeah, I well, I, like I it told you, I, I, was... I, I was eating dinner after I, I, I made dinner after the game, so I didn't get to see a lot of the stuff that took place after. Yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. So <laughs> I know my it, wife it, it was, was hungry. What was I like, supposed I would, to do? <laughs> uh, you, you hold off, right? You hold off, and you just kind of relax into it. But hell hath no fury you know, like a hungry you do Japanese the handoff. woman. <laughs> uh, okay, fair. But here's the thing. Like the Avalanche, they did a really good job passing it through the line, going through every single player gets their opportunity. Jared Bednar lifts the cup. And then, as everybody knows, there's that ceremonial picture of all the team. Everyone crams in, puts the cup on the ice, and takes the picture. Well, Nicholas Abekubel had the cup in his hands as he was skating toward the pile up for the picture and unfortunately hit a rut as as you know Nazem Kadri said in, in game four the ice was quote garbage um, dropped the cup and the base of the Stanley Cup was dented about 15 minutes into the the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup rain uh, it's obvious the keeper of the cup Phil Pritchard actually put out a video about kind of Hopefully this being the only damage that's sustained by the Stanley Cup, but it's really not that big of a deal. The Cup gets a new base every single year, so it'll be taken care of. Everything's fine, but you should see the pictures and the videos of Nathan McKinnon's face when the Cup hits the ice. Oh boy, you want to talk about surprise? It was right there on Nathan McKinnon's face. That's it, Obey Kubel. You're not you're not being re-signed. Now we know why the Flyers waved you. <laughs> Yeah, whatever, whatever Obey Kubel was going to make, Nathan McKinnon's going to take that in his next contract yeah, that, just so that he won't yeah, play. You're, you're, kangaroo court, you're being fined. <laughs> like, I, I, I know it's not the first time that the cup has been broken, but it, 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 it's still, yeah. you know, one of those things where you're like, uh, maybe handle with care a little bit more, guy. Ah, oh, come on. They're on the ice. They're celebrating. I got, I, it, 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 it's kind of a rite of passage in my estimation. I can tell you. To have a story. And where I, you damage the cup. And I know you you know as well as me because we've both been on the ice after a Stanley Cup presentation. And yeah, the mm-hmm. it's like it's like walking on snow because there there is no ice. It's just it's just particles that are all it's like it's like when you're walking on like I, I can't even it's like walking on mm-hmm. grass. Yeah. Like there's there's no yeah, slippery surfaces at all. Like I don't know how anybody skates on it after because yeah. it's it's not ice. It's it's just chunks of snow and yeah, so, so I'm not surprised it, it doesn't happen more. All right. Here's something that doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's the first time that it's ever happened in NHL history. Corey, pa- Corey Perry becomes the first player in NHL history to lose in the Stanley Cup final three years in a row with three different teams. I told you it was karma for taking a slap shot on a breakaway. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do feel bad for Corey Perry. I mean, look, I understand he won he won a cup with the with the Anaheim Ducks, sure. but 
years ago. I, I can't imagine just how awful that feeling is to, to get to the pinnacle, mm-hmm. especially for like people like you and me who will never have that opportunity, but we get to see the pictures of the guy celebrating. To not be able to have that moment and lose three straight times. The, the, the worst part is the first two years you lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you join the Tampa Bay Lightning and then you yeah. lose. Maybe the curse is Corey Perry. Oh, that's mean. No, I, I, what, do you, what do you what do you believe in more, <laughs> Corey Perry, the Jinx, or the ghosts of the Montreal Forum? I believe. Well, the fact the proof is there. Corey Perry's lost three straight, so we still have no proof about ghosts at the old Montreal Forum. Say what you will about Corey Perry um, and some of the commentary from John Cooper yesterday. Uh, he's a winner. I, I Granted, he hasn't won the Stanley Cup the last three seasons, but it's no coincidence to me uh, or no real surprise that Corey Perry is in three straight finals. All the guy does is find and identify teams that utilize his skill set to the max, and he has been one of those players that just seems to go on deep playoff runs year after year after year. Those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for today. June 27th. We're back to up next. It's Catching Up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. Well, we were talking a little bit about the Sedin twins, and uh, it's funny. I I'm a fan of, and I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you have. Maybe you've heard it a little bit. But uh, there's there's a little thing on YouTube called Hey Berkey, and it's with Jeff Merrick and Brian Burke. Of course, Brian Burke, I think one of the more interesting characters in the NHL um, now with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But there's there's a little. It's like cartoons, and it's called Hey Berkey. And I actually watched the one last week about how he told the story. When he was a general manager of the Canucks, how they ended up drafting the Sedin Twins at, I believe it was two and three in that draft. So uh, mm. if, you, if, you, if you're if you a fan of, of like just cool stories in the NHL and a guy who, who's really good at telling them, go on YouTube, check out Hey Berkey. You can see the story about how he landed both of the Sedin Twins. He said he was afraid he was going to lose his job because he, he was able to acquire one pick, but he didn't have the, the, the other pick. And he, he knew that uh, if he wasn't able to get both twins, that he was probably going to be in big, big trouble. But he actually talked about watching them play, and he wasn't impressed. He went over to Sweden to watch them play, I think, in the World <laughs> Championships. And they lit things up, and he was with two other general managers. And he was like, nah, they weren't that good. <laughs> so uh, check it Whoa. out. The, the, the Hey Berkey stuff on, on YouTube, it's great. There's a bunch yeah. of them. He talks about yeah. uh, how Wayne Gretzky almost became a Canuck. Which is really interesting, but yeah, really, really cool stories. Jeff Merrick does a great job as well. He's he's a he's a really good uh, host. It's good stuff. Yeah, Merrick does a great job. Berkey's fantastic. Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup champions. We're back tomorrow, right here at four o'clock. Be 